Brother Jamie Jackson, my friend, good preacher. Would you come preach to us, please, sir? Thank you, Pastor. Well, what a great privilege it is to, to be back with you guys, to see all the smiling faces and everybody in their place. And uh, there's even more than it was before. Obviously, when we were here before, it seemed like COVID was going around again, uh, you know, rearing its head. Seemed like it's never going to go away. But I'm so glad to see that, man, the house is full. Man, everybody was shaking hands, smiles on everybody's faces. Man, it looks like you guys really believe that God is in charge. Well, I'm definitely excited. Well, I even see we got, uh, you know, you got those backsliders that are always up there. No, no, no. It's good to see you guys um, in, in both balconies there. Hey, I'm telling you what, boy, I don't care if I'm down low or if I'm up top. Boy, as long as I'm in the house, boy, I... I'm definitely excited. There's nothing like being in God's house on Sunday. Boy, I tell you what, Sunday is so awesome. It's so amazing to me. Even that Sunday nap is like no other nap during the week. Can I, can I get an amen about that? So it's definitely good. Um, before I begin, uh, the guys that, were, that played Friday night. Yes, I love winning. I love winning as much as anybody else. I'm not one of these people. Let's not keep score. No, we're keeping score. <laughs> if we're playing, we're keeping score. But can I tell you this? Oftentimes, even when I coach the team, the one thing that we wanted, no matter if we won or lost, but we wanted our guys to play with heart. You represent more than yourself. You represent your school. You represent your fans. Can I tell you this? Guys, even though you didn't, the game didn't come out the way that we all wanted it to, thank you for playing with this one thing that every athlete will tell you that they would give no matter what, is thank you for playing with heart. Boy, when you play with heart, boy, it was said that Michael Jordan was the best. Can I, uh, I think I need to say that, especially for some of our youth that are here today. Michael Jordan was the best basketball player ever. The reason why, it is said, the only way to defeat him you would have to cut out his heart. And boy, can I tell you, Friday night, that's what I saw. I saw a team playing with heart. Even when there was injuries and there was different things, I saw other fellows stepping up. I even seen other guys that went back into the game even though they were injured. Why? Because they wanted to give it everything that they got. Guys, can I tell you this? It stinks sometimes losing, but don't let that define your season. Don't let that define your life. Let that be a launching point from here on out, whether it's with basketball, whether it's with anything that comes to life. By the way, the only way that you truly are a loser is when you quit. I don't believe you guys have quit, and I thank you guys for allowing me to come here. I thank the church for allowing me to be here. If you don't mind, let's turn into the Bible. If you will, turn into the Bible with me to Luke, Luke chapter 5. As you turn in there, this is a, a time where our Lord God has literally, literally been face to face with the devil. Oh, Lucifer himself has decided to try to talk to God, to manipulate him. But we see that our Lord and Savior did what each one of us should do. Boy, he had scripture in his heart. And boy, he defended himself. Boy, he fended off the devil by using scripture. Hey, can I tell you this? Young people, the reason why 
we have different challenges and different things for you to learn scripture. It's not so we can give you money. It's not so we can give you a gift card. It's not so we can give you anything. It's so we can give you the tools that will help you combat the devil in this thing called life. By the way, if I could just pause there, this would be like one of those DVD special feature things that doesn't come with the movie, that's not even a part of the notes here. But it's time that we start studying scripture again. It's time that we study more scripture. And not only study scripture, it's time that we study and we apply it to our life to live it. Oh, I've been to a lot of places lately, and I've seen a lot of young people that know a lot of scripture. Boy, they, even sometimes, boy, they put me to shame. I'm like, good night. I was just out of camp. Boy, they said 500 and something scriptures. By the way, if you say one scripture, it cannot be said the rest of the time that you're there at camp. Boy, they were coming through and they were saying it. One at a time, they had everybody lined up, and you couldn't go back to your seat. And if you're caught looking at anybody, then you're totally disqualified. So, boy, they said over 515 verses that were said. Boy, I was absolutely astonished when I got up. I said, it's great. You guys remembered it. Now let's start living it. It's one thing to have scripture, and it's another thing to live it. It's also very important that we do have the word of God. Boy, if we have the word of God, let's take advantage of it today. We see our, our Lord and Savior has just been tempted. Not only has he just been tempted, he has just resisted the devil. Boy, he's now in his 30s. This is the time that he has come. He has come to do his father's business. Boy, he's excited about it. Not only is he excited, boy, he's starting to work miracles. And boy, I can only imagine. Boy, as he started working miracles, more and more people wanted to see him. They wanted to be a part. They wanted to see the Savior himself. And boy, they came to him. By the way, even before that, some people came just for the miracles. They just came to see what he was all about like it was a magic show. Those were the people that he cast away, you generation of vipers. Boy, why? Because they weren't there to see the Savior. They were there to see his works. Then all of a sudden we find him now where we are today. Boy, we find the Savior surrounded by people. Boy, if you can only imagine Knowing that Jesus was in town, boy, everybody was there. And it was to the point where literally, I imagine he probably couldn't be on land and minister to everybody. So he got into a boat. The Bible talks about there were two boats there and he got into one of them. And one of them was Simon's boat. Boy, he got off and he pushed off to the shore. And boy, when he pushed off to the shore, that gave him the right angle to speak to everybody at one time. And of course we start off in verse 4 and it says, And now when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. Now, obviously, Simon was a fisherman. Fishermen, if they don't catch fish, they're not going to be very popular. If they don't catch fish, no one is going to want to buy anything from them. If they don't catch fish, their family will go undone. By the way, these aren't guys who are your every day or every weekend fishermen. These guys, they do it for a living. They don't eat. If they don't catch, nobody eats. So this is a very serious thing. They know when to go out. 
They know when the tides are. They know, oh, look, look at the moon. The moon is this way. We're going to go over here. Why? Because over here we've known that the currents go this way. And boy, because of the way that the moon pulls everything, you said, that's absolutely crazy. That's the way real fishermen, commercial fishermen do it. Boy, they say fish have a routine. And of course here we see Simon, boy, being told to do something by the Lord himself. And we continue reading in verse 5, and says, And Simon said unto him, Master, we have told all night. Master, we've been there all night. Master, we haven't caught anything. Master, we're tired. You're asking me to go out again? <gasps> Please. But every fisherman will tell you this. Nobody likes to come back empty-handed. Nobody likes to come back because you know that's the time when everybody's going to ask you, so, what did you catch? Why does everybody ask me that? But before, when you do catch like that whale that was probably only that big, but boy, you tell everybody it was that big, boy, you're looking for somebody like, hey, hey, why don't somebody ask me now? And of course, nobody's there. Nobody's ever there to celebrate with you the one moment that you get. And all of a sudden we continue reading here and it says, have taken nothing, nevertheless, thy word, I will let down thy net. Like, Lord, I have nothing to lose. So I'm, I'm going to throw my net out. I'm tired, I'm weary, but Lord God, you said to do it. Into the water it goes. Now all of a sudden we continue reading in verse 6 and it says, And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their nets break. Boy, can you imagine? Boy, here he is, tired, weary. <sighs> Those of men be like, Lord, I, look, I'm just trusting you, but... Ooh. What is the... Did it get caught? Did it get caught somewhere? Man, it must be... Oh, there's fish. There's fish. There's so many fish. The net is breaking. There's so many fish. Boy, I can only imagine during this time, he's probably, oh, can I, can I tell you what? Boy, we're going to eat good tonight. Boy, we're going to have, man, all the fish, everything that we get to do. Boy, I imagine he probably was starting to dream. Ooh, mm, boy, ooh, that's a kid's college. Ooh, oh, my soul, look at this. Oh, my soul. Boy, we're meeting all the needs. Then all of a sudden, we continue reading. It says, and they beckon unto their partners, which were in the other ships, and they came and helped them. I bet you they would. Boy, the one thing for me watching other fishing shows and stuff, the one thing that I've noticed is fishermen watch other fishermen. Boy, sometimes they call you on the radio if that's your buddy. Hey, what's going on over there? Hey, are you catching anything over there? All right, all right. What are you using? What kind of bait? And then there's other ones where they're just like... Boy, they're out there with the binoculars, like, I see so-and-so's on. Boy, he's catching today. Then all of a sudden, what? You want me to come over there? Your nets are breaking. Boy, they're over there. Boy, all of a sudden, boy, they're throwing stuff on as fast as they can. Boy, I can only imagine this time. I can only also imagine the crowd that's on the shore. 
there's something going on over there. Boy, there's something exciting over there happening. Boy, why are all these other boats and stuff gathering around? Then we continue reading. It says that they should come and help them. And they came and filled their boats and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And Simon Peter saw it and he fell at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinner. I am a sinful man of Lord. Oh, Lord. Lord God, I'm sorry I didn't trust you. Lord God, I'm sorry I didn't put my faith in you. Lord God, you made it pretty easy. You said literally, just drop your nets. I'll take care of the rest. You know, sometimes in life, God just simply wants us to trust him. Step out by faith. Oftentimes I'll meet with people and they'll be like, it's not that easy. That's why it's called faith. If it was easy, it wouldn't be called faith. Because everybody would be doing it. But all of a sudden we see this man stepped out and he saw God do something great with him. And then all of a sudden we begin reading in verse 9, it says, For he was astonished, and all that were with him, and had drought, <clears throat> and doubted the fishes that they had taken. And so was also James and John and the sons of Zebedee, which were the partners of Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Boy, he was talking about, hey, if you think this is nice, if you think this is amazing, I want to show you something else. I want to show you how it is to turn people who are in a lost and dark world and turn them or introduce them to someone that we call the light. Someone that we call that we say that we never have to thirst again. We say that we never have to worry about eternal life because he literally holds the keys to him. You notice after that first doubt, we don't find here that he doubted God again. By imagining, he's probably like, all right, Lord, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? I saw what you did there. Lord God, I, I don't know how we're going to get the boats in, but Lord God, I trust you. Boy, today, it's time us Christians get back to trusting God again. Oh, we say it. Oh, we even tell God, Lord God, I want to be used of you. Lord God, I want to be found faithful. Boy, one of the foundation things that God has for us is so foundational. Now, boy, we say it all the time. We talk about the Great Commission, how God tells us, boy, not only to get saved and to grow, and then obviously once we grow, boy, then we go out and we find somebody else. And we tell them the greatest news that they could ever hear. 
And boy, and then we get those people. Boy, after those people accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and the Savior, then all of a sudden we take them and we teach them. By the way, we don't teach them man thought. We don't teach them man's philosophy. We teach them the Bible. We teach them God's word. We, he, God said that he is the way, the truth, the light. Then all of a sudden those people get excited because they see what God has done in their life and what, how God has taken them from a dark place and now given them eternal salvation. And now all of a sudden, boy, they go out and they find someone else. But now today, I see people who are satisfied where they are, but where they are is not being faithful to what God has commanded us to do. God said that we're supposed to be fisher of men. It's not just up to the pastor. It's not just up to the staff that he has. It's up to you and to me. Boy, before we're here to go on, how are you with this task? Have you been faithful? When's the last time you ever invited someone to God's house? When's the last time you ever invited somebody or ask somebody if they know the Lord God as their personal Savior. I'm glad somebody did it to me. I'm glad somebody loved me enough that they're willing to put by their pride, put a hold, put aside their shyness to give me the best news that I've ever heard. And I heard it by the age of four. And you know what? Today, I'm still shouting. Why? Because it's the greatest thing that I've ever heard. Boy, I talked to you in verse 4 and I said that God wants boy, us just to trust him by faith. Well, boy, we see there in verse 5 again, it says, And Simon answered and said unto his master, Master, we have toiled all night and have, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Notice before it was nets. Now, all of a sudden, it's one. Boy, if we were to go and we were to look back, and if I was to stop there and just analyze this, I would quickly realize that, boy, God wants to use us. You say, can you explain that a little bit more? Absolutely. Sometimes in Scripture, when we look at these little things, sometimes it's those little nuggets that oftentimes, if we're not careful, we can read over it. Boy, when we see here, even in verse 1 or verse 2, that we didn't get an opportunity to read, it says, And saw two ships standing by the lake, by the fishermen which were gone out of them, and were washing their nets. You know what? God knew they didn't have their nets with them. God also knew that every fisherman has a reserve, emergency supply. Something happens, the nets get ripped, they get torn, they have that emergency supply that may not be as good as the original. Boy, but there's something that they always know that they can go back to. Can I tell you this? In our lives, Boy, when I first look at this, the first thing that, that hit me was God is looking for some available nets. God is looking for someone 
willing to be used. Before I go on, can I ask you a question? Could God have filled those boats himself? Why didn't he? Why didn't God be like, That would have still gotten his attention, I promise you. He still would have been like, woo, come on. Boy, that, that's probably where the big hug would have come in place. Lord God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Kicking fish off. Boy, it would have been so excited, but why didn't he? You know why? Because God in life normally doesn't work that way. He uses us. He uses us to do it. Thank the Lord for that. Because we get the opportunity to be used by our Lord, our God, and our Savior for Him. But we see there that God is willing to use all of us. But sometimes in life, we have to be cleaned. But once again, God doesn't just clean the nets. He could have just cleaned their nets. But they had to do it themselves. Sidebar here, we need to make sure that even on a daily basis, we clean our nets. This world is filthy. This world has given us a mirage. I mean, constantly bombarding us with filth, with non-godliness. Boy, today I went to go type in a song, and I went to go type in a song and had God in it. And when I went to go type it in, in YouTube, and then all of a sudden it brought it up. God was lowercase. I was like, so I made God, capital, hit it again, poop, and it made it lowercase. This world is steadily trying to take our God and put him down there with everybody else. We constantly have to remind ourselves that we're not worthy, but he is. The closer we get to God, the more we should see how filthy we really are. The more, I don't know about you, but boy, when I go to God, oftentimes I go to God and I'm like, Heavenly Father, I am not worthy. Lord God, to be a servant, to be thee, but Lord God, will you please wash me of my sins. Lord God, will you please help me what I saw, even when I wasn't even meaning to with the commercials and the, the filth and stuff that was going on there and how we're bombarded with all these different things, whether it's billboards, whether it's whatever it is here in this world. If we are not careful, we'll be found filthy trying to serve God and trying to be a fisherman and trying to do the right thing. Boy, not only do we see God wants to use available nets, he wants to use clean nets but he also wants to use broken ones too. Boy, can I tell you this? Sometime a fisherman's worst nightmare is to have his nets break while he's at sea. Well, I remember one time, how many of you have ever been deep sea fishing? Deep sea fishing, I promise you, if you've been deep sea fishing, you will realize how small of a fish you are in a big, huge pond. Boy, we're out there, and all of a sudden, boy, we begin to go out, and we begin to go out, and the ship is like, boy, I did what they told me to do more the night before. Boy, I took some medicine. Boy, we were going out. Boy, I took some more medicine. I even had the patch behind my ear. I thought I was fully covered. Boy, all of a sudden, we're, 
They're like, man, the waves are a little bit bigger than what they normally are. You know how it is. Men, you're trying to be brave. You okay, brother? Deep sea fishing, it costs a little bit to go. Boy, we're like 50 miles out there. But all of a sudden, boy, we're out there and I'm looking and there's no land whatsoever. They told us that it was only supposed to be two to four foot seas. I was like, two to four foot? That sounds a little... They're like, no, 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 out there? That's nothing. Boy, we got out there and boy, for a period of time, it was like 10 to 12 foot seas. When I had someone give me advice, they say, hey, when you're out there, they said, if you start getting a little motion sickness, look on the horizon, it never changes. Well, when you can't see it, that's a problem. We were up high, and I was like, whoo, there it is. We are down low. I was like, oh. Boy, we begin to fish. I said, no matter what, I'm going to fish. Boy, I remember fishing, and something took my bait, and Boy, I went to go back down. When I went to go back down, we were in that rough part. When I went to go back down, all of a sudden, whoo, went down and whoo, I came up. Something was different. The hair was standing up on my neck. It was standing up everywhere. I was, you know that universal sound that everybody makes? I was like, Lord, no. Lord God, the people that I'm with, they're going to make fun of me. Lord God, they're going to laugh at me. Athletes were always taught Gatorade. Gatorade. Drink Gatorade. Get those electrolytes. Get all that stuff in you. Boy, that morning, I thought I would be good. Boy, I had a red Gatorade. Had an orange Gatorade. Going out there, had an orange. I had a blue Gatorade. All of a sudden, whoo, this hit me. I'm there. Oh, it's to the point, you ever been to the point you don't even care anymore? I was to that point where I, oh, oh, oh God, oh. Guy walked up to me on the boat. And he's like, hey, can I give you some advice? Sure. Stick your finger down your throat. Stick your finger down your throat. I was like, brother, I am not a finger sticker. Doesn't work. He was like, all right. And he walked away. Ten minutes later, I'm praying to God, oh, God. Oh, God. Then all of a sudden, what was down came to the surface. I thought I was okay. It's like, you know what? I'm all right. I'm going to go back to fishing. As soon as I went down again, I was like, vroom, vroom. <laughs> Then all of a sudden, a burp just came upon me. When I burped, see where Brother Randy is?
We're talking about projectile. Orange, red, blue. One of the guys beside me was like, look, a rainbow. Bo came right beside me again. I was like, man, I'm so sorry about your boat. <laughs> I'm so sorry about your boat. He said, how do you feel? Uh, I feel better. I feel better. A few minutes later, a guy came from the other side of the boat. He was like, man, who was it? He's like, man, from the other side of the boat, it sounded like a lion was over here. I was like, that would be me. He said, you want to see something amazing? Go to the other side. Wipe my mouth. I was like, I'll just try to stay away from everybody as I possibly could. And we all know how that person smells when, you know, they're... <clears throat> Walked to the other side of the boat, and one of my friends, he's like... Now I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I've been there. <laughs> Except he is absolutely exhausted. And I go up to him, and I'm like, brother, that fish get the best of you? He's to the point where he can't even respond. He's just, <sighs> and I look, and I'm like, <gasps> it's absolutely, probably from where that crack is where that pew is underneath the balcony, like midway underneath the balcony, probably to almost where the pulpit is. And there's this huge mammoth. It looked like the whale that, that swallowed Jonah or whatever that big fish was. It looked like that. I was like, <gasps> when I looked, and one of the few of the guys were like, hey, maybe if we catch it, and we take care of it while it's in the water, the captain will allow us to bring it in, and we can bring it back to shore, and you can have it and keep it because it's actually good eating. Boy, the captain came down, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, 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 and he looked at it, and he was like, say goodbye. Not coming to my boat. We were like, oh. My friend was even more devastated because he was like, what? He pulled out a razor. He's like, take a picture. He's like, if that thing comes in my boat, it will beat it to shreds. And he cut the line. And it sat there for a few minutes because it was exhausted too. And then <laughs> big wave came and <laughs> it was gone. God will even use broken nets. Some of you say, there's no way that God would ever use me. Well, Jackson, you don't know what my past is. You don't know what I've done. Can I tell you this? If this place, if we call this place the hospital, then why do we always kill our wounded? Well, so-and-so did this. They shouldn't be allowed. Who are you to say that they shouldn't be allowed? Who are you to say that God doesn't still love them? that they still can't come back to the fro. Let it be said of this church, no matter who walks through that door, boy, if they can get things right and they can do things the way that God has commanded, they're always welcome to come back home. They're always welcome to come back here 
to boy let God change their life again. I'm not asking you to do anything that hasn't been asked of anyone before. I'm not asking you not to do anything that we haven't had stories that have been told to us that people have done before in the past. I'm not asking you to ask somebody or whatever if they know the Lord God as their Savior like it's something new and revolutionary. It's something that's been passed down from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. Why? Because our Lord wants all of us to be found faithful in Him, to be fishermen. Boy, to go out and find somebody else. I wonder what family member that you have. Maybe today they're like, Lord God, if you don't show me, Lord God, if you don't make your yourself real to me. Lord God, I'm hopeless. And boy, you are there, but you got to get off your lazy kahoosh. I know we got some moms in here. That was the best way. That's what God gave me. You got to get off of it. You got to ask that person for sure if they know that they're going to heaven. He's like, Brother Jackson, I've asked. They rejected it. Sometimes we simply are to plant the seed. Let that seed just sit there and fester. And eventually, Lord willing, someone else will go by. And boy, they will allow that seed to grow. And boy, they can actually reap the fruit. As you can hear, God is calling. Maybe he's talking to some, someone in here. I don't know about you, but man, that, that's like a $100 donation to the church. Hey, Amen, that's good. No, I'm joking. person like... <laughs> Break the phone. <laughs> God wants to use all of us. I'm not asking you to just give your life. I'm asking you to serve our Lord and Savior. Boy, someone in the military will tell you they are forever indebted to those who have given their life those who have fought beside them, that literally they've seen that person not come home, and they come home. Oftentimes we even call it survivor's remorse. Why wasn't I the one who died? Thank the Lord we have someone who came to this earth for you and for me. We call him Savior. Because he literally paid the price. He paid the price for this young man that, that I know. I love history. I love reading history. I love seeing history. I'm originally from Charleston, South Carolina. We have history everywhere that we are, from the first shots of the Civil War to all the generals and stuff that were there and stuff. It's just absolutely everywhere. Boy, in studying history, I remember meeting someone who was the grandchild of the individual that I'm about to tell you. In 1897, this individual was born, saved at a young age. Boy, he literally set himself on fire for the Lord. Boy, said God was using him in such a great and mighty way that word came back to America from Scotland Boy, that this individual God was using him in such a way. As a young preacher, he came to America in the Bible, the Moody Bible Institute. Boy, it said that he went and he preached there for 
boy, <clears throat> for this meeting. And boy, why and he was there and he was preaching, said that God moved in such a great and mighty way. Boy, when he went back to Scotland, word came back again. The boy, the Moody Bible Institute wanted him to come back again and to teach. One of his church members heard that he was going to go and his church members came up to him and he said, Pastor, I'm not sure what's going on, but I hear that you're going on the ship. He said, Pastor, for some odd reason, I just have a really, really bad feeling about this. He said, if you don't mind, can you not go on that ship, but I will pay for you to go on another ship. The pastor said, I understand what you're talking about. He said, but when I read my Bible, I see that Paul didn't run when things got rough. He said, and therefore, I'm not going to run either. I'm just going to keep going. So this young man came, to, boy, he came to this ship that this church member had told him, warned him about. He said when he got there, he said all of a sudden, he said, boy, it was the grandest ship that anyone had ever seen. In fact, in fact, history kind of, they've dropped several things from it. But just to make a long story short, boy, it said that this is the unsinkable ship. Boy, this is the ship of dreams. It is said, boy, that now this guy, he's a pastor. Boy, he's a pastor, boy. God's hand is literally all over him. And he's going from Scotland back to America, boy, to preach. And, of course, <clears throat> they said every, boy, day he was seen on this ship for a day or two. On his maiden voyage, he was asking everybody, hey, do you know the Lord God as your Savior? Hey, do you know the Lord God as your Savior? Have a second, as a second grade or a second you had first, second, and third, um, I guess, uh, what do you call it? Um, classes. There you go. Good job. You get an A. <laughs> he was second class member there. So he had access to the first deck and to the lower decks. Boy, they said he was always, boy, found faithful in this area. It is also said that, boy, all of a sudden we all know how the Titanic hit Boy, an iceberg, when it hit an iceberg, it said that during that time, every time, <clears throat> during that time, he was always at his cabin below, reading his Bible with his daughter and with his sister. And boy, they were always there just being found faithful, ending the day with a bang. Boy, said they felt a stir. When they felt a stir, they knew that something was wrong, but of course... This is a big ship. Something probably just happened. Everything's going to be all right. And his sister begged him to go up to see what was going on. So, of course, he went up to see what was going on. And he quickly came back and he said, gather your stuff. He's like, we need to go now. In fact, he's like, don't gather your stuff. We need to make our way up to the top. It's absolutely urgent. And, boy, they could see Boy, the expression on his face, and they knew that it was serious, so they made their way up to the top, and by the time they got to the top, they said chaos had already broken. Boy, people, the word had already gotten out that this ship was failing. This ship was going down. It wasn't as unsinkable as what they thought, and all of a sudden, boy, it is said that he is the one. By the way, it's amazing how we change things through history. Boy, he is the one that said women and children first, and the unsaved. It's amazing how we drop that. 
He said, women and children first and the unsaved. He said, in fact, his family that was there who witnessed it, they said they saw him take off his life jacket and ask someone, do you know for sure that you're on your way to heaven? They said, no. He said, here, you're going to need this more than I need this. They said, what are you talking about? Why did you just take that off? He's like, under no circumstances am I going down because I know that I am always going up. Boy, he said this gives that person just a tad bit more time, boy, to spend time with God so they can ask them as their Lord and Savior. Boy, as you can imagine, boy, most of us, and with good meaning, boy, we'd be running around trying to figure out, boy, how we're going to stay alive. Boy, we'd be on top of something. Boy, we're there like, oh, boy, the ship is going down. Boy, I'd be throwing furniture all over the side. Well, yep, this looks like it'll float, and this looks like it'll float. And boy, I'd be up there, boy, just riding the wave boy until help came but this young man he didn't do that boy at the age of 39 it was said boy that he was just there and they said boy he was calling out to everybody it was even said that he was the one not the catholic priest because the catholics boy they're very very smart when they know that somebody's popular then all of a sudden boy they want to adapt that person or make them <coughs> part of the catholic church when he was not part of the catholic church and he was seen with his arms around a pillar boy telling everybody how they can be saved how they can trust the lord god as their lord and savior and boy he was seen going over it boy he could have easily Boy just tried to save himself, but he is seen putting his wife and children on there. And now accounts give seeing him with his hands wrapped around the pillar as the Titanic is taking his final plunge. Boy, then after that, they said just a few minutes later, the Titanic is now underwater. They said he managed to put himself on furniture. They said that someone came by, and when they came by, they said he was on top of the furniture. He said, hey, today that thou know that you're going to be, that you know God as your Savior. That person said no, and the current took him away. That person said a few minutes later, he came back. He said, hey, young man, young man, has thou trust the Lord God as your Savior yet? He said, no. He said, hey, what are you waiting for? Now is that time. And he said, that young man or whatever saw him. And he said, boy, he could see the urgency on this, on this preacher's face. He said, he knew, boy, that these people's time was at hand. He was safe on the board. And they said, all of a sudden, he threw it away and he dived into the water. And they said, they literally saw him swimming from one person to the next person to the next person being like, Hey, trust in the Lord God as thy Savior. Boy, this is the time. Boy, the time is now. Boy, he is saying that he went from one person to the next person to the next. And finally, he had some people that were out there that he couldn't get to. And the witnesses said, he said, Hey, if thou don't know the Lord God as thy Savior, trust him today. And then that hand began to sink down into the water. And he was right. He didn't go down. He went up to meet his Savior. I'm not asking you to do something that hasn't been done before in history. Today he's known for, he's known as John Harper. He's known as the Titanic hero. Because he was just doing what his Lord and Savior wanted him to do. I wonder if we do what our Lord and Savior wants us to do. I wonder how things will turn out. I wonder if 
America would be a better place if the Christians decide to be Christians. Totally changed my mind this morning when I was thinking about this. And I said, the harvests are plenty, but the laborers are few. I was like, maybe it's because we do have enough laborers, but they're just not faithful to their tasks. It is said that last time I heard, the statistics always change. 70% of Americans say that they're Christians, some state, form, or fashion. Well, if that's the case, then why are we in the shape that we're in? Somebody's got to hold down the fort again. Someone's got to start doing their job again. Let me ask you those questions again, and we're done. When's the last time you asked somebody about the Lord, if they knew the Lord? You have the perfect opportunity next week. Some of you say, Brother Jackson, I'm, I'm so shy. Or you're just very honest, Brother Jackson, I do not know how to lead somebody. Well, you can invite them to a place that can teach them. We have this thing next week called Roundup Sunday. We would love to have you. This is going to be a great time. It's going to be fun. Boy, we're going to have eating. Boy, we're going to have chicken. Hey, man, for that. Boy, it's going to be absolutely wonderful. Some people will come for food, but they get a little bit more than what they ask for when they get the Lord. A little bit more. They get a lot more. Some people will come simply because you invited them. Boy, what great gift they get, boy, when they come here and they leave with Jesus. We got to be found faithful. I wonder who the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about that you need to ask. I wonder what family member it is that you need to finally break down and ask them about. It's too late when you see him in the coffin. It's too late when you're like, man, I wish I would have talked to him. But it's nothing like knowing for sure that your family, your friends, even your sister or your brother knows the Lord God is their Savior. We simply have to do what Simon had to do. It's time for some of us to step out by faith. Step out and see what God will do. Remember, he said, just throw, throw the net out. Maybe the net of salvation. Just throw it out. Just ask the question. If you were to die, you know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. I tell people 99% doesn't even get it for me. I was like, boy, I want to be 100%. I want it to be no shadow of a doubt. Boy, I had one person, she was like, you know what, I am 1%. I, I, I don't know. We're out knocking doors. In Winter Park, Florida, she said, I do want to know. Boy, when we left, she knew 100% for sure that she was on her way to heaven. Maybe there's somebody today, you're like, man, I'm 90%. Or maybe you say, Brother Jackson, I put my faith in quote-unquote religion. The reason why I'm a Catholic, the reason why I'm this, because my grandma was this, because that was this. That's not good enough. When you stand in front of Jesus, being a Catholic is going to do nothing more than to have you be a Catholic who goes to hell. Being a Baptist when you stand in front of Jesus is going to do nothing more than have you be a Baptist that goes to hell. Unless you're a Baptist who puts their faith and trust in the Lord, Jesus Christ. 
as Savior. We're standing in front of God, closing remark. Would you be found faithful? Not in being a good Christian, not in your testimony, not in all these different things, but would you be found faithful because you did what God wanted you to do? God gave his life for you. He knew exactly where you would be, and he made sure somebody else was there. Why don't you do the same thing for someone else? You want to make this world a better place? That's how we're going to do it. Not by being organic, not by recycling, but putting our faith and our trust in the Lord Savior. Amen. That person that we call God with a big G.